Okay. Um, when I come back up on the screen again, well, even if I don't come back, I'm, here I go. Here I go. Uh, I'm going to read the Bible now, and then we'll, we'll spend a few minutes just um, thinking about 1 Peter chapter 1. And I just can't help thinking that at this time, it's just lovely to hear about Jesus' um, total commitment to us and our salvation secure. There's nothing else much secure in this world. At least it feels like nothing else much secure in the world this week. But uh, our salvation is just as secure as it was last week, last year, last century. And we can never hear enough of that, especially that time. So this time. So thanks, Alex. Now I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, the first nine verses. And then we'll sp spend a few minutes just uh, thinking through some of those things. So hopefully um, you've got your Bibles open. Uh, maybe you can, uh, they said yesterday there might be some complication with having um, electronic devices and Zoom open. So you might have to go back and use an old fashioned uh, word Bible like, like I do. Anyway, here we go. So verse one of chapter one of one Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, Rob's already said, uh, summed it all up, hasn't he? What a week. What a week it's been. Just imagine something as microscopically small as a virus totally disrupting, interrupting our life, if not changing it forever. That great thing that we've all talked about over the years, that Australian way of life. Uh, socially, we've moved from being party central as a nation to being a nation in nervous isolation. Uh, economic, talk of economic growth has moved to talk of economic uh, recession and even depression, pretty bleak. Uh, our health system that a week ago, most of us would have thought would have been able to deal with any eventuality is now threatened with being overwhelmed. The Aussie spirit, so-called Aussie spirit of looking after your mate, well, that's fast becoming a look after yourself type attitude, isn't it? Uh, hoarding, panic buying. And then, as Rob's already mentioned, our church family now, for the first time ever, being forced to meet online, trying to be together while being uh, separate. 
Now, it's already been mentioned a few times that, as always, change creates fear. Um, we've heard a few of them this morning. Um, it's fear of the unfamiliar, fear of loss of relationships and growing aloneness, fear of losing your job, fear of ability to provide for your family, uh, fear of losing your retirement nest egg as you see the stock market collapse. Uh, Fears even of contracting COVID-19, fear of death. I mean, the fears, the list of fears goes on and on and on. But you know what my biggest fear has been this week? Doing what I'm doing now, <laughs> speaking online. <laughs> I, I'm not so much worried about COVID-19. I thought actually come Friday night, that might have been a really good option rather than preaching online. But here I am. So fears, they're very real fears. They'll be very specific to each of us. But regardless of what they are, each of them impacts on our faith in the present and impacts on our hope for the future. And you see that one up in the, the, the quotation up on the screen. Uh, so one I saw this week, if we view ourselves as besieged victims who need to go into hiding, then we will cultivate fear and hoarding. If we view ourselves as a community working hard to protect the most vulnerable among us, then that will have its own outcome. So, our hope mindset really impacts the way we act and think. Everybody needs some sort of hope for the future. We're shaped by our hopes mindset, which drives us to list the things we believe we need to be secure. And that happens from when we wake in the morning, we express our hopes mindsets. So let me ask you, uh, there's a hopes mindset up on the screen. Happy New Year. That's a, that's a form of hope. Let me ask you this morning. What was the first thing you hoped for when you woke up this morning? Uh, perhaps like me, you just hoped that all of this would go away and we'd get back to life as normal, as, as, as life as we know it. Or perhaps it was that my, me and my loved ones would be healthy. Um, that my home and possessions and wealth might survive that I might still be able to get that lifestyle that I've worked for all my life and which now seems to be perhaps slipping away. Our hopes mindset will shape the way we speak and it will shape the, what we invest our time and energy and resources in. Put simply, we throw ourselves into doing things that we believe will make our hope a reality. And coming up in the script in the minute, uh, at, the, at the moment, there's a couple of more quotations about that. Uh, we're hearing these sort of hopes on the TV news every day. At one extreme, there's a form of despair, hopelessness, uh, driving panic, pushing people to get what they want, regardless of others. At the other extreme, then, there's the bland optimism of positive thinking. Uh, we've heard it so many times, you know, we will get through this crisis. We will come out the other side stronger and better than ever. And there are numerous options in between those two extremes. But whatever option you go for, we need hope. Wherever you sit on that spectrum, we need hope. And here's the really important thing. The object of our hope is the thing that's really critical. If the person or thing we invest our hopes into fails to deliver, then we're going to crash and burn big time. We'll, we'll be consumed with fear. We'll be consumed with disappointment. We'll be consumed with frustration. 
because our hopes are tantalizing. They're there, but we can't quite get a hold of them. We can't make them secure. So let's turn to uh, Peter's letter and see that real hope is inseparably tied to relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to read uh, the first few verses when they come up on, on the screen here. Uh, here we go. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, that's the context in which Peter's going to uh, tell us about our living hope. And it's a really important context to remember. Uh, he's writing to Christians that are scattered all over the Roman Empire. They're living like refugees or exiles in days of severe persecution. Incredible insecurity for them. These are Christians who have been marginalized. Uh, isolated, or even cut off from their families, uh, cut off from local village life, simply because they've become Christians. We, we can feel their fear, the fear for themselves, fear for their families. We can feel their sense of isolation, their sense of dislocation, their pain, their suffering. They, they've become refugees in their own land. P things look familiar, and yet they're so unfamiliar. Not unlike, I think, I've been feeling this week. Everything that's comfortable and familiar is there, but it's not there. We sense their longing, uh, longing like refugees to know that somebody cares, that they're valued as people. Uh, they want to have a home, they want to have security. They want to know that a better life is ahead, given the awfulness of their current predicament. It's that context that Peter reminds the Christians that we have a living hope. Not just wishful thinking, not just positive thinking. It's a hope which is ours by right of birth. It is our inheritance. It cannot be stripped away from us. As, as Alex said in his children's talks, as Christians, we're united with Christ, not only in his death, but in his resurrection. Because he is raised to a new secure life with the Father in heaven, we can be absolutely certain that we also will be raised to this secure life in heaven. We haven't actually got there to experience it in, in its fullness yet, but we are tied into it now by virtue of being tied into Christ. Because Christ is living, uh, we have living hope. It's that simple. In and through relationship with him. Now, Peter goes on then to spell out the twin truths that underpin that, that real living hope, that security for the future. I'll the first is in verse four. <laughs> oh, so we'll get that up on the screen in a sec. Um, our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Now, uh, I've used this illustration before, but children, uh, when children leave home, parents often present them things that they've collected over the years, things that the parents have kept because they know jolly well if they give them to the kids, uh, they would have been lost, they would have been mutilated. So the parents keep them. 
the kids can't get their hands on them. And so they're there to be presented at the right moment. Well, in the same way, our Heavenly Father has our security, our salvation, our future stored up in heaven for us. We can't get our hands on it. Therefore, we can't mess it up. And that's surely what we'd do if it was down to us. But it's kept for us, ready to go. Uh, and able to do everything that Christ promised. Mm -hmm. It's tamper-proof. The second truth then is, uh, we are kept by the Father. So you see the twin truths? Our salvation is kept for us. And then the other side of the coin is, we are kept by the Father so that we will, might eventually enjoy our inheritance. Verse 5. Right. Continuing on the sentence, who by God's power are being guarded through for a salvation ready to be revealed <laughs> Thank you, in the last time. Yeah. Why can I be confident? Why can you be confident as a Christian? You will persevere and you will ultimately make it home to heaven. Answer? Because God preserves you. God will preserve you. He's promised to preserve you for the inheritance that he's already set aside for you. He's already storing for you. And he's going to bring the two of them together uh, in, at a some point in time in the future. We can't see the full security we have now. And no, so we sometimes yeah. doubt it. We can't but, see the, the, the beauty of what we have in its fullness. And so we sometimes doubt it. But one day, bread, Jesus will come back. He will take us to be with him in heaven where we will experience in full what he has stored up for us and which we can only now appreciate through faith. Now, friends, that means our hope's mindset as Christians is not in how we can mold our lives by our own resources. It is not wishful thinking. It is not bland optimism of positive thinking. Our confidence now and into the future is based on Christ's death and resurrection in the past. There's not a chance we will miss out on what God intends us to have because both sides are, are in God's hands. However, there's another wonderful truth. That's, that's brilliant so far, but there's another wonderful truth in these verses, and that is um, living hope massively transforms our perspective on suffering. Now, uh, Peter doesn't just present this truth, the twin truths of hope in a vacuum. He means us to connect them into real life. And here's the connection into real life, that these twin truths massively transforms our perspective on suffering. Let me just read these verses again to you. They're up on your screen now. In this you rejoice, that is in this truth, twin truths of salvation, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice that in verse six, it is in living, in this living hope, you rejoice. The same thing again in verse eight, you rejoice, get, get this, you rejoice with inexpressible joy. 
filled with glory. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's, I think it's probably too big for me to actually completely expand and, and exhaust. But let me, let me just try this on you, because I think this is, this is really helpful. What it means is this. That when I live confidently in the light of those twin truths that my salvation is kept for me, and I'm kept for my salvation, when I live confidently in light of this, then I reflect Christ's glory. How do I do that? Both as I display how Christ himself has changed me from the inside out. It's not normal to hope in somebody outside yourself. But also, as I happily walk the path of suffering, which Jesus also walked, those two things are a form of inexpressible joy. I know in whatever situation the Lord makes me walk into and leads me into, the truth of my salvation remains unshaken. And as I walk into the path of suffering to my ultimate glory in heaven, then I'm simply following the path that Jesus has walked before me and, and, and as his disciple has asked me to follow. There's the source of inexpressible joy. Things might be falling apart all around us. Uh, there might be incredible physical taxation but that pathway cannot be broken we will not slip off the pathway we will not be barged off the pathway we will be led home to that inexpressible joy and beauty of being with jesus forever so suffering therefore moves from something that we need to fear as the text tells us to, something which is an opportunity for us. Imagine that. That's a big call to say that suffering is an opportunity for God's people. What's it the opportunity for? It's an opportunity to trust Jesus more. To grow more like him. To be more joyful, to be more thankful for, to the Lord for his goodness to us in Jesus. Now, this is a really, really important one to think through, especially where we are at the minute as a church and where we are as a society, where we are globally. See, most people, including many, many Christians, think that suffering in and of itself is bad and that should be avoided. They would say things like suffering and happiness or joy are incompatible and that God wants us to be happy, therefore we should minimize or, or do everything we can to avoid any sort of suffering. Others have a more stoic, you know, a, a stiff upper lip mentality towards suffering. They think suffering is just an opportunity for the likes of me to prove my mettle, to prove my character, to show people what I'm made of. And so the idea there is that you just tough it out. You, 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 you have a stiff upper lip and you just put your head down and shoulder it. And, and you just say, well, okay, people will see what I'm made of. I'll come out this side, other side of this. You know, that, that thing I said about um, Australians. You know, we will get through this. We will come out the other side. We'll be better for it. Well, that's a form of approach to suffering, but it's not a gospel-shaped approach to suffering. The hope there is in strength of my own character to deal with whatever life throws at me. It might be a, a real hope, but it's not a gospel hope. Peter speaks of the reality of suffering in a very positive way. 
which trusts increasingly in who we are and what we can do in Jesus and not who we are and what we can do in ourselves. Rejoice with joy inexpressible, filled with glory, means moving into and through our suffering, knowing that Jesus is ahead of us, shaping us through it, and leading us home. So my friends, this inheritance, this new and living hope, is not just a theory to live by. I would say to you, it's a truth to die by if that becomes necessary. Over the last few years, I myself have been uh, trying to learn to crave this inexpressible joy and suffering by trying to find a gospel place in suffering. That is, uh, by a gospel place, I mean recognizing in whatever suffering I'm, I'm experiencing at that moment that I can say to myself, this is where Jesus wants me to be. This is the best place for me to develop my trust in Jesus, to be exposed to my own sinful lack of trust. And therefore, this is the place where I can be, even in the midst of suffering, free to learn the lessons he wants me to learn and free still to have a mind to others before myself. So here's the big question that I wrap up this morning. The big question is, do we, do you have a living hope in the face of COVID-19? Because if your living hope doesn't help you address COVID-19 with confidence, I'm not talking about being foolhardy, I'm talking about being confident, then you don't have the living hope that is rightfully yours to be understood and lived out as a Christian. And the answer to your question, as you answer me, do you have a hope, a living hope for COVID-19? The answer, whether it's yes or no, will be very clear and obvious as you daily express your hope's mindset. So here's how it works. If all we have is this world and the things of this world, health, wealth, comfort, then there's no alternative. You will become increasingly fearful. You'll become increasingly self-interested and self-protective. You'll become increasingly angry, frustrated that the good things of this life that you've worked so hard for are now being stripped away by some microscopic virus that's random. But if, on the other hand, our, our, our real hope, our real security, our real home is in heaven, and if our joy is to be like Jesus and follow his pathway of suffering to heaven, then we, like him, will be free to be selfless in times of danger and will actually grow in this time of uncertainty and fear. We'll actually mature in this tough time whether it be three weeks, three months, or indeed three years. And you know what? Throughout history, that's what Christians have been known for. They've had such a hope, a living hope in Christ, that they've been the ones who've run into danger, 
to care for other people, even to the point of sacrificing their own lives. And countless thousands have done that. Wouldn't it be great, no matter what happens here in Newcastle, if we as believers of this church became known as people who were running into danger, keen to help others, not foolhardy, not, not ignoring those basic things of hygiene that we can do to protect ourselves, but nevertheless not being driven by fear, not being driven by self-protection, not being driven by self-interest, but moving towards people and showing people in practical ways that we have a hope that's far beyond health and wealth and prosperity in this life. But there's another line, and I'll finish on this then. We can also perhaps begin to think this morning that this pandemic is already starting to expose the roots we find so easy to put down into this world when there's nothing to challenge us, when there's nothing to expose our true securities. And that happens. It happens to us all every day. Those roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes we're not even aware of them until they're exposed and challenged. You see, that's what Satan's job is. He'll trick us into believing that we have here in this, that what we have here in this world is better than having God. And so the roots go down. And he'll show us all the shiny things the world offers us for security. And as we salivate over them, the roots get deeper. We choose the bigger house, the luxury holiday, the career, getting married, having children, pursuing my dream in whatever form that comes in. And it comes in myriad forms. And the roots get deeper and deeper. My friends, as we start this stage of our church life online, can I encourage you, can I encourage you to encourage one another not to put down roots, not to accept substitute hope in this world. Because if you invest your hope in this world, you'll be mightily disappointed. Let's help one another expose these roots where they exist. This past week, Alice and I have just been talking about the impact of the stock market collapse on our uh, superannuation. Uh, now, as we come towards the age of retirement, I don't like the word and I'm going to redeploy, but, but nevertheless, you understand what I'm saying. And it's really been a challenge to us to say, well, where is our security? What impact is it going to have to read those figures and say, you know, upwards of 40% of our superannuation that we were looking forward to enjoying last week, 40% of it is now gone and perhaps more to go with no prospect of it coming back in less than 8, 10, 12 years. These sort of thoughts expose our securities, don't they? They expose the roots that we need to dig up and we need to cut off so our connection to Jesus might be the true root, the true sense of abiding that takes us forward. Well, this has been a big thing for me. I'm only starting to relax a little bit now. If it's been a bit wooden and artificial, I, I will try and improve over the, the weeks. Thank you very much for listening. and. Um, May God go with you this week.